0: The Lord is good. The Lord is good. I want you to imagine with me, if you could, put on your, your your imagination cap. I want you to imagine with me a church where all the people of all ages did not hold back their love from one another, their grace toward one another, their gifts, their resources. But they generously and willingly and lovingly gave what they had to each other every week when they gathered, every week as they lived and worked together as a church. Can you imagine a church like that? That whenever a need arose, whenever an opportunity to give came, they were so committed to unity, so committed to getting along, so committed to sharing What they had, that none among them had any real need. Because they were that committed to giving. They boldly and generously gave to one another. I want you to know something. That image of the church, that happened once. There was a church just like that. It happened once. And my question to you and to me is, can that be a reality again? Wow, I think we're a pretty generous church, we're a pretty giving church, we're a pretty gracious church, but we all feel like we can grow in the grace of giving, can we not? Somebody say amen to that. Yeah, we can grow. And it takes faith to give, and it's a challenge to give. And some of us might be thinking, you know, I've never experienced a church like you've described. I've not known that to be a church. In fact, I've known church to be something quite opposite of that where people were critical, where they were tight, where people were not always gracious, more judgmental, where not everyone was accepted. But the Spirit and the Scriptures call you and me to a supernatural fellowship. He's calling us who are not blood to become family. Family because the Spirit gives us that ability to be family and I want to call you to that today and I want to challenge you that when your vision and your mind begins to expand and you begin to see what it means to be the family of God and what it was intended to be a, a extravagantly gracious and giving place a place where we are empowered to give truth to one another, but love as we give that truth. To hang in with each other. I hope that as you see that and as your, your vision gets challenged, that you'll want to boldly and generously give like never before. Because there was a church just like that. It was found in Acts chapter 4. We've been moving through the book of Acts, we've been looking at how God has been moving and how the work of Jesus continued after his death and what he did and how we could be a part of that and so we're continuing on this morning and we want to look at what does it mean what are the keys to becoming really boldly generous in giving as a church and I know we talk about giving we usually do it maybe once a year at max because we don't talk about giving all the time but we're going to look at it from a different perspective today so if you've got a bible I want you to open it to Acts chapter 4 And we want to read this passage together about this awesome church. Now we know that, you know, everybody's in different places and churches are in different places. But imagine if we can grow to a whole new level of this, what it would be like to be givers like this church. It says in verse 32 of chapter 4, all the believers were one in heart and mind. You know that's got to be supernatural when you've got a group of people like us that are one in heart and mind, right? Only God can do that. I have seven kids, and then my wife and I, and we could never be one heart and one mind. You know, most of the time. That's why you always chose somebody in the family. We were talking about this yesterday to go out to dinner. We said, It's your turn to choose. And what you say, we do. No debate, because we'd be there from, you know, till Christmas trying to figure out where to go to eat, because nobody could ever agree. So it's a wonderful thing, and you know the Lord is there when you're of one mind and one heart. And it says that no one claimed that any of their possessions were their own. Oh my gosh! It's nuts. But they shared everything they had. See, this is pretty challenging. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. And that was because of the power of God. It wasn't because they were supposed to or it was the law or anything else. It's because the powerful work of God was there. No needy person. And it says, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses, they sold them. And instead of getting bigger houses and more land, what did they do? They sold them and they brought the money from the sales, and they put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Wow. Really. A paradigm of giving, huh? And it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyrene, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, he sold a field. A field that he owned. And he brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. I don't know about you but i get challenged by that when i read that in scripture it challenges me on a personal level it challenges me as a pastor and on a church level and on a family level am i as boldly generous in giving as these early believers and what will it what would it take for me to be that bold in giving now i i'm a person who talks about giving i love to talk about giving i love to so in some ways, I've learned a lot about this, but, but I know the struggle because we all have our limit to how far we can give, right? We all have our limit. Today, I want to push those limits. So what does it mean? What are some of the keys to becoming boldly generous and giving? Well, you know, a lot of times we hear, and, and you might feel like you're hearing now, that uh, we ought to be doing more for God. There's more that we can do. Uh, But in reality, I'm really going to tell you first that God has done way more for you and me than we ever could repay. Say amen? Way more than we could ever repay. Freely he has given, and freely we have received, and so we should freely give, the Scripture says. God continues to give, 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 and he continues that through his Spirit, through the church. Until he comes again, he has just given 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 and what are we supposed to do? I'm here to tell you here's the first thing not give 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 I'm telling you instead of saying give 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 I'm telling you we should be receiving 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 Isn't that a good word? I'm not asking you to give more. I'm asking you to receive more Because that really is a key to giving it's it's not just that you give It's that you receive. Yet to receive what God has given, we've got to be willing to receive it. Our hands have got to be open. They've got to be willing to receive from Him. And our willingness to receive from Him is first evident in our entering into a covenant relationship with Him. I want to be in a relationship with God where I can receive from him. So what is that covenant relationship about? Well, John the Apostle wrote in John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13, he says this, The true life that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, his own people, the Israelites, but his own did not receive him. They were unwilling. The world was unwilling. His own people were unwilling. Yet, to all who were willing, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. There's something important to, re- to, to get here. We've got to receive Jesus and to really receive jesus is to first enter into a covenant relationship with him to first enter into a relationship with him as son or daughter with all the rights and privileges as a child of god if you and i are not willing first to trust god as lord and father to first receive this relationship i'm here to tell you something if we don't want to receive that first God is under no obligation to answer your prayers. He's not under any obligations to answer your prayers if you have not first come into a covenant relationship with him and being willing to receive from him. God's not going to force on you what you're not willing to receive, amen? He's not going to force you. He's not not like that. He's not going to overcome your will to give you something you don't want. Right? He's not going to do that. And so he's not obligated to give you anything. So I want to tell people that say, well, I tried to pray. I go, well, how surrendered and willing are you to walk with Jesus and and know him as Lord and Savior and and become his son or daughter? Well, I'm not really there yet. I'm kind of doing my own thing. I'm kind of having a good time. Right? Well, don't expect to receive anything. Because you haven't entered into that relationship. You're not willing to get from him. That's why you're not getting. You know, I'm, I'm here to ask you something, right? And, and this kind of illustrates it. W- what if we were at Town, town East Mall, right? We're, we're, tr- we're tr- running all around. I hate going to the mall, but my kids get loose. And they go, oh, Dad, come into American Eagle, man. You know, we always want to get us American Eagle. Or in some of the buckle used to be the big place to go, but it's no longer there, I don't think. And so we go into these stores, right? But what if you're in a store, you're running around, you go into one of these clothes stores, and a young man or young woman comes up to you and they go, hey, look at, I need these three pair of pants, and I need these three shirts, man, they're they're the bomb, they're looking good, I know they're not on sale, but I need them. I need them for work, I need them for school. And and maybe these are young people, they're like high school, middle school, you've never met them, you don't know them, but they're asking you to buy these pants and these shirts. And so, how are you going to respond? Who are you? Do I look like Santa Claus? Get a job and buy your own clothes, right? That's what you're going to say. But what if that young man or that woman, young woman, was your son or your daughter and they come up to you and say, hey, dad, I need these pants, I need these shirts, I need them, I'm supposed to dress here, and I need you to buy these for me. What are you going to respond? Who are you? Do I look like Santa Claus? Get a job, do some work, and then you'll get those clothes, right? No, no, you, you don't say that. My parents used to say, "You think are we the Bank of America?" Yeah, you know, no. You don't say that, do you? If those clothes were good for them, it was some, if that was something they needed, you would answer their requests and you'd meet their needs. And i'm here to venture even the stingiest among us would even go beyond their needs really to get them what they want even though it might have succumbed their need right and you do that why do you do that because of your relationship as father and child that's why you do it the same is true in our relationship with god if we've confessed our sins to him if we've repented of our rebellion against him if we've submitted to the Lordship of Jesus and received the gift of the Holy Spirit within us we have become a child of God the Bible tells us we've been born again and now you've entered into a covenant relationship with him and he with you and this means that you are this child and you are on the receiving end of an utterly generous father amen that's what you become you get on the receiving end of a marvelously, extravagantly giving father that you can't outgive. You can try to outgive him, you'll never do it. I've tried, and you just can't do it. I thought, there's no way. I'm gonna give all this. I'm just gonna put it on there, and there's no way God's gonna be able to give back to me like that. Within a week, I had all the more. I, I just, I used to do that when I was young in the Lord. I don't do that so much as I'm old in the Lord, but I, I should more. Because God is good. You cannot give him. See, that's the key. The key of giving is receiving. That's one of the first keys that we've got to get. And it could be that some of us aren't generous givers. Why? Because we've never become sons and daughters of God. If that's you, the door is open. Come unto me. For God so loved the world, John said earlier, that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Our other scripture in John said if you'd receive him, he'd make you a child of God. Come to him and receive that. Solve that relational issue. Could it be that some of us aren't consistent givers or we've stopped giving graciously to others because we've stopped receiving God's grace in our hearts and in our lives? Something happened and we just pulled back from the Lord. We got offended at somebody or we got offended at God and we pulled back. We don't trust. We got bitter. I'm here to tell you, you're not going to go anywhere that way. I'm not going to go anywhere that way. Because we're not receiving his grace anymore because of our offense or our hurt or our bitterness. Those things are going to happen, but don't let them rob you. Is the grace of God so powerfully at work within you that you can't help but give like the believers in this passage? It's possible for you and me to live in that is it, and if we're not we can get there so this first key to giving is receiving isn't that great to know it's not just giving more no it's receiving but there's an additional key kind of a next step that you got to take to keep that keep that door of receiving open and so we want to take a look at that next it was kind of in our passage here's the the next point and frank wrote this no one has ever become poor by giving No one has ever, think of that, that that statement. I'm not aware if Anne Frank was a believer. I know that she came from a Jewish background. I'm just saying that's a true principle, period. No one has ever become poor by giving. No one's going to ever give you into the poorhouse. I think my wife's been worried about that at times, right? (laughs) That we might do that. But it won't happen. It will not happen. That's the truth. It seems counterintuitive, but it's the truth. To give is not to be left left with less. That's how we feel as a human. The reality is, is to give is the way to receiving more. Tell yourself that. To give is the way to receiving more. It's true. We know this is true from the natural world because it reveals it to us. If if you reasonably plant a seed into the ground in due time, what does it do? It bears fruit, and it gives you many more seeds than you started with. God's trying to tell you something. He's trying to tell me something. You invested one, you got many. Wow, how does that work? But it works that way. Again, no one ever becomes poor by giving. Jesus taught this same principle in the parable of the talents, and that parable is found in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. You need to read that. I'm not going to read it this morning. But you remember, it, it's three servants, right? One, one guy, there's a rich man, and he gives one guy five talents because he's got the ability to handle five talents. Then he gave another two talents according to his ability and one one talent. No judgment. They just had different abilities. They were different people created differently. And then he says, I'm going off to a far-off country. I'm coming back, and then I want to get... Get my profit on these things. So the the one servant went out. He used his five, got five more. The second servant went out. He used his two, he got two more. They both had a 100% increase. Because they used and gave. But the one guy with the one, he buried his talent. He dug a hole and buried it. And he also misjudged and mistrusted his master. Because he thought, wow, he's a hard person, he's going to I'm going to be in trouble if I don't give him back what's his. And out of fear, I'm just going to bury it in the ground and I'm going to move on. Master comes back, congratulates and blesses the first guy. Man, welcome in here, your master's blessing. Second guy, same thing. Third guy, he went, what? he said, well, this is the way I saw you. And this is what I did. And he said, you're a lazy and a wicked servant. You misjudged me. Completely. You should have put it in the bank and at least got something for it, but you didn't use it, you didn't give it. You just held on to it. You didn't understand me. You misunderstood me and my character. You misunderstood completely. And now what's going to happen is your one's going to be taken from you and it's going to be given to the one who has many. And then Jesus says, that same is going to be true for us. For the one who has will have more. And the one who does not have we will never have because they don't give see this parable contains a universal principle for all of us from the time of creation each individual has been entrusted with resources of time and of temperament and ability and material wealth and and it's just been a blessing been given to us everything we have comes from God and everything belongs back to him we're responsible for using those resources that we might increase value to his glory. We don't have to be like somebody else. We're not called to live up to somebody else's standard. We're called to live up to our calling, to our gifting, to our abilities. And as sons and daughters of God, we have additionally the valuable resources of the word of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. If we believe and we understand these things and we depend upon the power and guidance of the Holy Spirit, if we apply God's word as a good steward, we are going to bless others. And the value of what we do will multiply if we do bless others and give it. As stewards, we are accountable to, to the Lord to use the resources He's given us, not judged by anyone else. But him alone, did we use it? So inherent in the natural world and in this parable and in Jesus' statement, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Why? As you give, you receive more. As you give, the blessing continues. See, greater blessing and continued blessing is given as seed is re-sown and reinvested and is continued to give because that's the desire God has he wants it to be given and to continue to give so the original gift and investment and its effects are not just attitude they're multiplied and they're amplified (coughs) rather than just being contained and absorbed and stopped so there again and Frank is right no one ever can go broke or become poor by giving there's no way to do that but see we, emotionally we feel there is a way to do that. But there isn't if you're doing it with obedience to the Lord. There's no way to do that. You've got to test the Lord in that. The Bible said, and Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. Is he a liar? If he asks you to give, is it not going to be given to you? Is he a liar? No, he's the Lord. He says a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be poured into your lap? For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So you get to participate in this. If you don't want much, then don't give much. If you, don't want to, if, you, if you think, well, I just like this two pounds of Jesus blessing and I'm done with it, well, then the Lord might let you just be done with it. But I'm here to tell you, I want the big spoon. And I want the big blessing because I'm just not going to want a little baby spoon. You know, I don't want to just try it. I want to eat it. I want to experience it. So as a son and daughter of God, we've got to take this this step. You might be a son and daughter of God, but you've got to take a step to commit yourself to make yourself a steward. That's another step in your walk with God. Yeah, you can be saved and you can be a son and daughter. But there comes a time when you've got to be a steward of what God's given you, and will you commit to that? Will you commit to be like him and join him? See, but when you do take this step, you relinquish claim to your possessions. That's what you do. You say, you know, that motorcycle I've got, that's Jesus' motorcycle. I know Jesus does ride a Harley, I guess. But he also rides a Honda, too, doesn't he? I know, somebody said, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, Jesus drives a pickup. And he also drives a Prius, right? Or a Subaru. I don't know. Would Jesus drive Subaru? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you relinquish claims to your possessions. Think about that. And you share everything you have generously as the Lord has shown you and directed you if you're his steward. That's what happens, because it's not yours. You're not an owner. You're a steward. The believers in our passage saw themselves as stewards instead of owners. They really did. They didn't seek to be upward mobile and have more things as their goal. No, they, they sought to follow the resurrected Jesus, to, who was powerfully working through his grace and generously giving so that ever-coming grace could keep moving forward to meet the needs among them. See, that's what they were about. They were about giving more than saving and getting. They were about giving. How do we as a church of Jesus followers embody this message of Jesus in our lives together into the world? See, the world will pay attention to that. And they'll see the glory of God in that. And others will be blessed by that. So, if we want to keep receiving from the Lord, we've got to keep sharing what He gives. That's what we have to do. If we want to keep receiving from the Lord, we've got to keep sharing what he gives. If we stop that off and said, no, nope, I did it for a while, but I'm not going to do it now. I've gotten too old to share like that. You know, I need to start. Da, da, da. Well, you're just stopping the flow. I'm stopping the flow. Have we made ourselves and are we today a steward? Or do we find ourselves receiving very little from the Lord because we haven't become a steward yet. We haven't taken that seriously. Boy, take it serious today. Well, here's the third step. If you want to be a generous giver from this passage, here's the third thing. We've got to do something and maintain something. The famous Christian author, Max Licato, his wife, I guess after they were married for some time, she bought a monkey without talking to Max. How would that go over in your family? Not well in my family. Everybody in my family has to agree before a pet comes into our home. And, and definitely Jody and I got to be on the same page before we bring a pet into the home, right? And uh, that would have just gone over like a lead balloon. And, and so Max, he writes, I didn't want the monkey in my house. How many of you would object and say the same thing? Okay, quite a few yeah. I don't want it. He goes, I objected. So he asks, where's he going to eat, I asked. At at our table, my wife replied. Well, where's he going to sleep, I inquired. In our bed. What about the odor I demanded? And she said, well, I got used to you. I guess he can too. (laughs) Okay, now now you're picking on me. This little interplay between Max and his wife, it actually speaks to an important principle of unity, doesn't it, between husband and wife and really any group of people. Unity doesn't begin in examining others, but unity begins by examining ourselves. Unity begins by first by examining ourselves. Unity begins not in demanding that others change, but in admitting that we aren't so perfect ourselves. And we may need to change and get used to something new. I want you to Practice this, this little it's a reality exercise turn to the person next to you and admit this to them I am just a pain in the and you can use whatever you would call it tush derriere But whatever at times as anyone else I am just a pain as much of a pain in the as anyone else turn and tell them that admit it Because it's true You are. And I am. If we we stop criticizing and start loving, if we think of the great things of God and, and look to do them and give them, what a difference it could make. We are just as much of a pain in the rear as anyone else. We get hurt, something happens in our unity with one another, and we remove ourselves. We hold back what others could be given because someone wasn't perfect. They offended me. They didn't do things the way I wanted them to be done, And, and so I reject them and I stay at a distance. We do that, and we justify that. We do that to the church and justify that. I got hurt in the church, so I'm not going. I cannot tell you how many times I've been hurt in the church. I mean, I'm kind of jokey about it right now because it happens so often. Come on! Any group of people. How many times are you hurting your family? How many times are you offended or or, or ticked off or with your, your, your spouse? You've got to and I've got to learn to get along, to be of the same mind, to be able to realize that our unity together starts with me, not just with them, And it's not about them changing, it's about me admitting I'm not so perfect either. And I've got to start there. And so things happen, and we reject people, and we stay at a distance. Is that being a faithful steward of the Lord? No. That is not, is it? Does that set you up to receive from the Lord, or to give generously to other people? No. It just shuts it down. The Apostle Paul gave us this great insight, and it's for us to remain faithful as stewards, and he says this in Ephesians 4.3. Make every effort, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty all-inclusive statement. It's like this is number one. Make every effort to keep or maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. God wants unity in his body. The Holy Spirit wants unity. Basically, God is passionately, uh, He passionately cares about unity. And He wants us to passionately care about it too. And He wants us to see how important it is. He knows that to have, to have unity in the Holy Spirit, we have to exhibit and grow in traits like humility and gentleness and patience and love, all the fruit of the Spirit. But we also have to keep and maintain this unity in the bond of peace. You know, that's why I have unity. Because of what Jesus has done for you and me. I would be so such a hypocrite if I didn't show grace to you with the great grace that was shown to me. I don't deserve anything. I don't deserve to be in heaven. What about you? Do you deserve to be there? You have a wake-up call. You don't deserve to be there either. But guess what? We're there. Jesus' extravagant generosity is to guide us to maintaining our unity and our generous giving to our brothers and sisters in the church. Christ is our peace. Without him, there is no peace. He made peace with the Father on our behalf for our sins by dying on the cross for all of us and in our place for sin. Without his sacrifice, there would be no peace for you and me. He restores our identity. By his stripes, his suffering and death, we are healed. Why did we get healing when he got abuse? None of us deserve, nor could we ever earn, that kind of grace. As the Prince of Peace, and through the gospel of peace he preached, he made peace, unity, peace and continued forgiveness possible between us. He made it possible. Because of all he gave, he continues to give. The maintenance of our unity, he makes that possible. Because he continues to give. God is gracious. Every time I think I'm getting to be pretty gracious, all I have to do is begin to think and ask the Lord, well, God, you know, know, I'm pretty gracious, right? And then the Lord will show me myself. Because he knows I have to see it, right, Rude? He goes, oh, whatever. <laughs> okay, wake up a little bit, Kelly. You know, you're a little hard-charging sometimes. And uh, so get that right and deal with that. You're not as gracious as you always think you are. And, and it's a good wake-up call. So this morning, in, in conclusion, as we, if we want to embrace this vision for being generous, and living as a generous believer and embrace this vision for our church, I wanna share just a vision that I found, and it was for an organization called Generous Giving. And and man, I just so love this kind of stuff. So it's not original with me, I just wanna throw it out there to you because it's really what we're talking about. Think about if we were to live like this as individual believers, think about if our church was to be like this. Here's the first part, vision. Their vision is to see the generosity of God displayed through the generosity of God's people. That's that's fair. God wants to reflect himself. Jesus wants to reflect himself through us. We envision a movement of Christians who give extravagantly of all that they are in response to God's radical grace. See, giving is more than just finances. It's about our gifts. It's about our time. It's about our care it's about our prayer it's those all those things our primary motivation is to see people liberated to live and give in god's image in order to see god's kingdom come on earth wouldn't we love to see that so here this growing movement it's going to create a dramatic shift in culture and they would like to to bring a shift in culture and this is what they see christians will be known for extravagant generosity rather than consumption and accumulation. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Two, young people will be organizing their lives around giving before they get caught up in the constant pursuit of more. That's right. We want to be givers and known as givers, not just people who manage finances well and get rich off of it. It's It's okay to have It's okay to have stuff. It's just, what is your life about? What has you? You don't want to let your possessions have you. You want to have them and use them to the glory of God. Amen? And so it helps young people to do that. Three, people will come to know Jesus because the generosity of Christians is so compelling. They want to know the God who inspires it. They want to know this grace-filled God. And then four, in addition to culture being shaped, individuals will be transformed And they'll find greater joy and freedom and purpose as they trade away saving and consuming on earth for eternal treasures in heaven. As a result, billions of dollars will be released for kingdom work. Sharing the gospel, serving the needy, healing the world. Man, that'd be cool to be a part of. It'd be great. So giving here, people, I'm I'm just coming back to it again. Giving It's not something we have to do as God's children, it's something we get to do. It's fun, it's fun, we get to do it with God because God is a giver and giving is not losing, it's gaining and it's being a partner with God Almighty to bring his kingdom on earth, his blessing on earth. I want you to stand with me this morning. God wants us to be generous givers but I'm not going to ask you to give anything. We just laid that vision out. We laid the truth of God out. Now it's up to all of us to ask the Lord, how do I join you in this, Father? How do we join you and and be extravagant givers? How do we give of our grace to each other? How do we do that? How do we give of that grace so that people feel loved and accepted by us? We've got to ask ourselves questions like that. How do we give of our gifts so that they're truly being extravagantly sown to the glory of God and having the effect the Father wants to have? How do we give, then, of our resources, the things that we have? Not just the money, but the things that we have, so that they bring glory to the Father and they bless other people. How do we do that? That's what we want to ask the Lord to lead us in. And let's follow him in that. And as we grow in that grace of giving, the world will notice. The world will be blessed. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, show us how to apply this message. We know, Father, you have been more than generous to us. Show us where we're being stingy, holding back, judgmental, critical, um, all those things that are really fruit of the flesh and of the world and not of the Spirit. Show us where we have been unwilling to lay our lives down, as you did, for for the blessing and for the glory and for the greater fruit that was to come and is to come. Show us how to join you, Lord. Convince us that we'll never go broke by giving. We'll never become poor by giving show us god the truth of your kingdom and may we live squarely in it and may others see jesus in us because of that so bless us this morning lord may we be willing to receive all that you have that we might be able to give all that you desire and and join you in that great kingdom work to your glory it's in jesus name we pray and we all said together amen amen